It's Wednesday, October 20th, and you're tuned in to the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, uh, if the Major League Baseball postseason has proven anything to us, it's that when you think everything's all in line for a, for a win or a, you know, a series to go uh, into the into the, you know, the next phase where you know, a, a team's got another team, you know, backed into a corner, uh, you know, things can change in a heartbeat. We saw it pretty much twice last night with uh, the Dodgers, uh, you know, backs against the ropes and Cody Bellinger hits a, a home run in the eighth inning, uh, turns the fortunes of that game around and the, uh, and Los Angeles wins uh, their first game of the National League Championship Series. And then, uh, you know, a few hours later, Pretty much the same situation in the uh, in the ninth inning, the um, of a you know a close game. The the Astros come back, uh, tie the game on a Jose Altuve home run in the eighth, and then you know have a an outburst, a seven run outburst in the ninth uh, after some questionable uh, strike zone umpiring uh, for the um, Astros. I. Uh, what do you think of where where both of these series stand right now? Yeah, it's I, I guess they're up for grabs, Joe. I mean, you know, the Astros guaranteed that the series will go back to a Minute Maid Park for at least a game, um, and uh, you know the 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 Dodgers, you know, just uh, you know they're they're still down two to one, but um, you know Atlanta has had a tough time at, at Dodger Stadium. They have lost including the postseason, 13 of their last 14. I mean, I, I should say Atlanta, yeah, has, has had a tough time at Dodger Stadium. They've lost 13 of their last 14 games there and, uh, you know, 21 of their last 25. So, you know, I'm sure they're thinking, uh-oh, here we go again, the Braves. Yeah, and yeah. It, it, they were in a situation and they were in a, you know, basically – four outs away from four or five outs away from being able to put that series to bed uh, going up three Oh and Bellinger who, who really didn't do much all season long. Uh, but the one thing that he can do is hit clutch home runs. I think he's got, you know, something like 12 home runs in, in late inning situations that either tie or, or put the game ahead uh, for the Dodgers over the last several seasons. And, you know, the pitch that he hit, did you see the pitch that he hit? Yeah, for home run? Was like, it was a foot above the strike zone. Yeah, they said it was like four and a half feet off the ground and like the highest, the second highest pitch he's ever hit for a home run. It, 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 just how hard is it to, to get on top of a fastball that's that high out of the strike zone? Uh, it, it, it takes a lot to do. And uh, for him to, to come through in that situation, that was that was pretty huge especially with just like I said, the, the, the struggles that he's had this season. Yeah. That was like a 96 mile an hour fastball from Luke Jackson above the zone. And uh, you know, I was, I was reading a quote from Jackson. He goes, well, I was trying to put, I was trying to throw it up. And I said, and after I threw it, I said, Oh, that's a little higher than I thought it was. <laughs> and then, then it's out of the ballpark. Yeah. There's never a, <laughs> And, and never something you think you're going to see hit over the hit over the fence when when you're trying to throw it up and out of the strike zone and they can get on top of it like that. I guess that's that's uh, uh, Vladimir Guerrero senior probably made a lot of people feel that way uh, in, in his time uh, back in his uh, playing career. But uh, so now the, you know, game uh, what game four of that series 
uh, takes place tonight. Uh, the the Dodgers have a chance to even it up, and and Atlanta's got to be feeling like, well, you know, deja vu all over again. Yeah, the Dodgers are going to start uh, Julio Urias. We've seen uh, this will be his fourth uh, postseason appearance this season. Second start, uh, you know, he was a twenty-game winner during the uh, during the regular season, one and zero with a three point six zero ERA. Uh, in the postseason this year, and the the Braves have not uh, announced a starter. Uh, there's there's some speculation they could go with uh, you know kind of a bullpen game, you know with uh, AJ Minter, a lefty, uh, who you know uh, starting starting the game. Uh, you know he's made like I think three appearances this this postseason, um, three and six with uh, three and six with a three three point seven eight ERA and sixty one relief appearances during the season, Joe. So uh, it, it, it's going to be interesting. And, you know, the, the Braves have really kind of leaned on their, these two two relievers, Jackson, who gave up the home run, and, and Tyler mm-hmm. Metzak, uh, who, you know, they've all, they pitched in every, all seven of their postseason games, this, this, <laughs> this postseason run. And, you know, the, the series, even though the, you know, the, the Braves have, it's it's a it's a close you know Braves hold a two to one lead. They've only outscored the, uh, the Atlanta thirteen to twelve in the in the series. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 a little closer than uh, you know that that final total the the one loss total suggests. Right, and it, it just the way that the bullpens are being used now just it really you know sort of brings back that feeling that uh, the way that. The Indians used their bullpens back in, in, in 2016, you know, guys pitching pretty much every game, every night. And, and we saw what, what the consequences of that were over the next couple of seasons when uh, Andrew Miller, you know, wasn't healthy and, you know, guys weren't, weren't the same pitching for this long and, and this deep into a postseason. Uh, when you mentioned, you know, uh, certain relievers for the, the Braves have, have pitched in every postseason game, it, it blows my mind that, that these guys are able to, to come back and do that and, and be as effective as they are. But then you worry about what's, what's the consequence down the road for these guys. Yeah. We, and you, you hit the nail on the head, Joe, we saw it with uh, Miller. We saw it with Cody Anderson. We saw it with Brian Shaw, all those guys that had that heavy duty usage uh, during the uh, 2016 postseason run. I mean, they were struggling the next year and, and the years after that too two and three years after that. So, you know, it takes a toll. And, uh, you know, I guess, uh, you know, the, the Braves had three days off, be, you know, between the NLDS and the a- NLCS. So, you know, that kind of gives them a little bit of a cushion. But, uh, you know, there's still a long way to go if these guys, if the Braves advance and, uh, you know, get to the World Series. All right. Well, if they get to the World Series, they'll be either facing the uh, Red Sox or the Astros, and that series now is even at two games apiece. Uh, that is down to a basically a best of three series uh, here, and uh, you know game game one is in Boston tonight with uh, Framber Valdez going against Chris Sale. Uh, last night, uh, like we mentioned, Jose Altuve, uh, I think he's now third on the all-time postseason home run list. He hit a big home run. Uh, over, uh, you know, basically to, to tie the game, keep it, keep the Astros alive. Uh, and then controversy sets in, in the ninth inning as 
the Red Sox called on Nathan Evaldi, and I he had a he had what was the I, I forget the the battery was facing Castro threw, Castro Castro yes Jason Castro and he threw him a two strike curveball uh, up and in and it was called a a ball by home plate umpire Laz Diaz and uh, Castro came through and he basically broke the gate open and the uh, the Astros go on to score what. Uh, Seven runs, seven, in the ninth seven more runs in that ninth inning, and and win the game. Yeah, I thought I thought uh, Evaldi had Castro uh, struck out the pitch before that. Joe with mm-hmm. it was a fastball, kind of right at the letters that you know that he took that he that he didn't even offer at. I thought that was a strike. Then the curveball was kind of a borderline pitch, but you know when they showed the overhead, you know it it, it hit the corner, it hit the outside corner, kind of a backdoor curveball, and. Uh, yeah, Laz Diaz did not have the, uh, the, the most consistent night um, uh, behind the plate in that game. And, uh, but still, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the Red Sox had a lot of traffic on bases, but they, you know, on the base, on the bases, but they couldn't uh, cash in after taking what that 2-1 lead in the first off of Bogart's, uh, two, Bogart's uh, two, two-run homer. Right, yeah, Bregman hits the, the home run in the top of the first and then the the Red Sox answer right back. They take a two run lead. You're thinking, boy, this is uh you know, you know, it's going to be a good you know close game back and forth. Uh, and then, but basically both teams shut the other one down. I think the Astros uh, pitched what seven and a third scoreless, something something like that. Yeah, seven uh, and two thirds scoreless. Seven and two thirds job by their bullpen. I mean, that's that, that that's pretty big time in a. In a, a a must win game for them because if if Boston goes up, you know three one with a, a a last game here tonight at home, that's you're thinking that series is pretty much over. Yeah, definitely, uh, Joe. And and you know Houston Houston starters in the four games have only pitched twenty innings. Now their their starting pitchers have only combined to pitch twenty innings. So you know you can imagine that that bullpen is. They've got to be, uh, you know, on fumes right now, and uh, so they, they really need a good start from from Valdez tonight, and uh, to keep them, you know, just to give give them a chance to catch their breath here. Yeah, I think Granky only went, he only got four outs last night. I mean, that's that that's pretty unusual and unlike uh, uh, Zach Granky for the for the Astros last night. Yeah, definitely, and uh, you know, and. Uh, Pavetta, you know, in his first postseason start, did a really nice job for uh, mm-hmm. Boston. Mm-hmm. I think he went five or six innings, you know, the one run, two hits. Um, and uh, he's been used mostly out, out of the bullpen in the postseason, but he started during the regular season. You know, so, you know, everything was set up for uh, for the Red Sox right there until that ninth inning. And, and Joe, I was, I was checking, I was reading some stories. The last time uh, uh, the the uh, the Astros scored seven runs in a postseason game was against the Indians in back in 2018. Yeah, in Game Three of 2018. So mm-hmm. uh, you know some uh, some bad memories kind of came floating back in that inning. Yeah, I was gonna say I remember that game. Uh, it was not <laughs> a lot of fun to be at, but uh, uh, certainly that was uh, a, the last time that they did that. Wow, that's pretty impressive. All right. Well, with the uh, league championship series, uh, just getting interesting. It's starting to get there. It's uh, it, it's good. 
Um, uh, shift our attention here, uh, some, some off the field news and stuff. Uh, we found out earlier this week that the uh, finalists, the eight finalists for the 2020 Ford C. Frick Award uh, were announced and the longtime uh, old, uh, you know, back in the day, Indians uh, broadcaster, announcer, play-by-play man, Jack Rainey is among one of the eight finalists. Uh, Pat Flanagan, Wait Hoyt, France Louts, Rosie Rosewell, Hal Totten, Ty Tyson, and Burt Wilson. So all those guys, I'm sure you're very familiar with, Hoinsey. They were, <laughs> you know, they they all predate uh, TV. Um, uh, but really, it's the the legends, sort of the like the early days of of broadcasting, sort of uh, cycle in the voting for this Ford C. Frick Award. Uh, last year, Tom Hamilton was a, a finalist, but. Uh, I don't think he, he'll he'll probably cycle through in the next couple of years after this uh, as as a as being eligible. But uh, Jack Graney being eligible, that's a, a big deal for for Indians fans, because, I mean, this is a guy who who sort of you know, a lot of uh, old time Indians fans grew up on this guy. Yeah, he was uh, you know, he's a pioneer. I think he was the first player, one of the first players to come off the field into the broadcast booth. Uh, you know, he was a former Indians outfielder, I believe, um, played for a, a, a number of years. And, uh, you know, in the lunchroom, in, in, the, in the media lunchroom, there's a, you know, there's a picture of him on the wall and, you know, a quote from him. I think it says, you know, I leave all the fancy words up to the other guys. I just follow the baseball. So that's how that was his announcing style. Yeah, he, he played uh, what well, I played in Cleveland, uh, started with the Naps and uh in 1908 and ended with the Indians in 1922 was his last year. Uh, and then, like you said, he went on to, to become a broadcaster. Yeah. He did play by play for the Indians from 1932 to 1953. So uh, it definitely predates uh, a lot of the, uh, you know, current fans or, or, you know, what uh, anybody here would, would remember, but, you know, just what he did in terms of, like you said, pioneering and revolutionizing you know what we hear in the, the the names and faces of the guys that we hear in the the, the booths nowadays um that was the sort of the first time you get those the the players to come in and give their perspective yeah i think uh, you know they it's kind of i think they this you know the frick award is they, they it seems like they've broken it up into categories right now this is the old the old time uh, guys, mm-hmm. you know, the pioneers, then they, they, I think they switched to the modern day, you know, the, which was Hammy included Hammy, uh, right. Tom Hammy last year. So I think they, and just like the, uh, the era committees in, in the hall of fame for the players. Yeah. They, they break it up into current major league markets, which is sort of like the modern one. And then national voices who are guys like Bob Costas, uh, and then broadcasting beginnings is the other cycle. And that includes the broadcasting dawn era and, and, you know, names like that. Uh, so yeah, it would be really interesting to see if, if the committees choose to honor, uh, an Indians broadcaster, uh, as the Indians are, are going away, uh, sort of at the end of this, uh, this major league season, the name is going away. It'd be interesting. Maybe, maybe Jack Rainey gets, uh, maybe that's enough to get him the, the vote to, to win the award. Hey, I wanted to mention before we uh, before we get going, the uh, Scottsdale Scorpions in the Arizona Fall League have 
several members of the um, Indians farm system playing out there, most notably uh, Richie Palacios, who hit a home run last night, uh, playing out there for Scottsdale in a 13 to six win uh, for the Scorpions. Uh, I, I believe it might've been his first home run of the, uh, of the fall league, but he's, he's actually uh, hitting pretty well, performing pretty well out there um, in the desert. Uh, this is a guy who certainly is going to get a, an invitation to Major League Camp uh, in the spring. Yeah, definitely. He's kind of an infielder, outfielder, Joe. He, he really put together a, a good regular season at, at AA and AAA. Uh, this year, he was hurt for a little while. I think he had a hamstring problem at Columbus, but came back and, you know, is obviously swinging the bat well. And, you know, this the Arizona Fall League is a great uh, – great tool for, for major league teams. Uh, it's a kind of the finishing school for, for, you know, their t- for top pro- uh, prospects. And uh, it wasn't, you know, the COVID shut it down last year. So I'm sure the teams are glad that, you know, it's, it's up and running this year and they can send their players there to get a little more seasoning. Yeah. Palacio homered. He now has a 316 batting average, uh, a, a 1090 OPS. Uh, the Desert Dogs won 12 to four over, or I'm sorry, the Scorpions won 12 to four over the Glendale Desert Dogs uh, in, a, in a game that featured six home runs for uh, the Scorpions. Just uh, real interesting to, to see. I, I believe Jose Tena is another um, Indians prospect who's out there playing for, for Scottsdale. And, you know, he's, he didn't play last night, but uh, just, interesting to, to follow along. Like you said, um, these are sort of the, some of the higher level prospects. I saw Spencer Torkelson is out there uh, playing for, um, you know, Detroit, one of his, uh, one of their farmhands. And so you've got those high level guys and then some other guys who have, have been, you know, had really good uh, seasons developmentally and, and moved up, uh, and are guys that you want to get a, a good look at and sort of get to get some, some exposure for them uh, in the fall league this year. Yeah. And the, and the AFL is, is like a test tube for the, for the big leagues. You know, they've mm-hmm. got the no shift rule in, in effect. They've got the automatic strike zone in effect, the pitch clock, the 22nd pitch clock. So there's a lot of stuff going on out in Arizona right now. Yeah, it's like, uh, it's like video game baseball almost, right? You, you, all the, <laughs> all the new fancy bells and whistles. So uh, it, it would really be interesting to see, you know, maybe one of these, uh, maybe one of these off seasons will uh, take a trip out to Arizona for a vacation and maybe go catch a couple of fall league games just to, to see what that's like. But yeah, I was down. out there a couple of years ago, Joe, when, uh, when uh, Francisco Lindo was playing there and oh, yeah? it was really cool. It, there's some, you know, that's, it's a great place to watch games, see young talent. You know, there's not too many people there. It's, they're like a lot like spring training games with with less crowd with 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 fewer people. It's but it's it's cool. It's uh it's it's a good setup. What's the what would be the price of a ticket out there for a fall league it's, game? That- it's pretty cheap. Uh, I can't even remember what the t- what the price was. I don't. It, it might even be free admission, but I, I can't, couldn't be free. But but I, it's not. It's 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 not going to break the bank for sure. Right. Yeah. And. They play some games at night as well. It still gets pretty hot out there during the day. So yeah, it's uh, hot out during the day, but it's, it, it cools off at night around this time of the season. So it's you know you bring a jacket if you're going. <laughs> All right. Well, 
uh, if you're going, let us know. Hey, uh, yeah, shoot us a subtext and, and let us know you're out there. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Otherwise, uh, we'll be back again tomorrow. Uh, another edition of the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. We'll wrap up two games from uh, Major League Baseball's postseason tonight. And we'll uh, look forward to more news here on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Talk to you later, Hoinsie.